we can say that the blockchain is a car. It's a car, and it's a car that's running, right? And it can't stop. Remember that because it's block production. If block production stops, that the blockchain is dead. It's the car that's driving. And now with the merge is imagine this car driving with a gas-powered engine. Somewhere along the line, you switch the engine out with a gas engine. You put in an electric one, but the car's still running. What? You did what? You switched the engines out, and the car's still running. What? The blockchain didn't stop. No, it didn't. It's still going. What? <laughs> How? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And then now people are like, oh, okay, because everyone can relate it to a car. Everybody on this planet, I would say 90%. I would say that a lot of people know what a car is. And a lot of people know what gas-powered engines are. Hi, everyone. Wherever you are, I hope you're having a wonderful week so far here with the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show, interviews and discussions with regular people just like yourselves. Today, we have an irregular guest. And no, that's a good thing. It's my pleasure to introduce Nathan Lung. Uh, co-founder and host of Cryptonauts. Cryptonauts has been doing what we've been doing, but for honestly much longer and honestly much better, making crypto education accessible and reminding people about all the amazing innovation that continues to happen in the space, despite it not being in mainstream outlets so much anymore. Before we dive into everything that we're going to talk about today, we have to talk about Nathan's background, how he got into crypto education, how he started Cryptonauts, and honestly, anything Nathan says is going to be awesome. So Nathan, thank you so much for making time. Tell us anything, really. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. First off, very grateful to be here. Kind of a weird feeling to be interviewed when usually I'm the one, I'm usually in your shoes. I'm the one interviewing <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can quickly jump in. Well, you know, originally, you know, from what we spoke about earlier, from Texas, born and raised, and then I moved out to Los Angeles for 10 years to pursue a career in film, film and TV. It's, it's quite a tough time for me, actually, before I found Film Web 3 and just the whole idea of being able to own your own assets. I honestly just moved out there to start anew. And so I, I drove to Santa Monica. Go to Santa Monica, they said. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go to Santa Monica. I didn't know anybody. I get there. I'm like, oh, crap. Now what do I do? And so I'm just like sitting on the beach and there's waves crashing. I don't have a place to stay. I don't know anybody. And, and I'm just like, all right, well, I just live out of my car. It's pretty late at night, and then I guess uh, there's a weird moment where I realized that, you know, uh, in the moment where I had nothing, I just had everything. If, if that's a weird philosophical thing. It's like I didn't have anything. I didn't have anybody. Nobody knew me as new, but I felt this breath of, like, fresh air. Like, I could do anything, and everything I ever needed was actually maybe I needed to stop looking outward and stop chasing things and maybe just look inward. So long story short, I, I ended up being a dishwasher. I just walked into some restaurants and, and, and that was my first job. And then I went to do some work at McDonald's where the Wi-Fi is very fast at the, at the handicap spot. So I started applying for jobs, ended up getting this casting job. And then I started doing casting for commercials. And then we ended up working as a camera operator all the way up to working on some Super Bowl spots like Sprite with LeBron James and then some Pizza Hut directors of Portlandia. I worked with Neil Brennan, Kevin Hart, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, so we ended up doing some commercials, and then some of my mentors are as well, big directors, blockbuster hits. And then I realized that Hollywood is interesting, but it's like a society where you're a hired gun. Essentially, you're a mercenary, right? You bring your camera, you charge whatever, 250 300 a day, and then you're there for 12 hours. Unless you're in the union, and then maybe you get 400 a day, but you also have to put in hours, etc., etc. The DGA, PGA, Actors Guild, Writers Guild, etc. And so from the film industry, my neighbor at the time, so I found a place over in Culver City. My neighbor was a producer for Disney and his best friend, these guys all went to USC film school. So I helped them out with music videos, just work for free, right? Just 
pick up lunch, drink producer's coffee. That's like what I did, just hustling. And then my neighbor's best friend also has two Netflix movies. Yeah, he's very smart. And he sent an email out about crypto. He sent it to 12 or 13 people about, hey, Bitcoin or Ethereum might be the next big thing, blah, blah, blah. And then I was the only one who actually responded because I was like, this is the smartest guy I know. Maybe I should take everything out of my retirement and just put it. Not, not smart, obviously. Not smart. But uh, yeah, so then he was like, hey, we should start a YouTube channel. We should do education. Uh, you're Captain Crypto now. I'm like, okay, what does that even mean? He goes, don't worry, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll just get on camera and we'll shoot the first video. So he, he wrote out the script and then uh, this is the Waves video. And then I was like very unpolished, didn't know what I was doing. And then we shot it with the iPhone. We put the iPhone in like the jacket pocket for the external audio. We still had to sync it back then. There was no like AI to help you sync sound with video. <laughs> and then it was just, we found like this wooden plank on the floor, put a, a piece of wood on it and like just put some nails in it. It, was, it wasn't even a tripod, it was a monopod. <laughs> and just shoved it into the ground, put the camera on top with a Nikon vintage lens and just like manual focus only. It's just like super oh. running gun in a park, in, in a public park with families, kids running around. We just shot it right there right next to the fence uh, and that was how the channel started and that was the first video that we released and it did really well <laughs> to our surprise yeah so that's i guess that's quite a long that's, that's quite a long intro but that's essentially the whole story of the cool that, that's awesome that that covers a lot as someone who's lived in asia for 14 years i've got to ask how did asian parents let you move all the way across country and do what you wanted to do right or are your parents a bit more relaxed than like typical asian parents are oh no they disown me <laughs> obviously it's because coming from texas they're like go get a master's go get a phd be a lawyer be a doctor play piano play violin <laughs> so i'm just like just throwing all the stereotypes out there right now <laughs> and then just find a stable job right and then get lots of education and, and just stay in texas maybe gas oil and gas is a huge industry over there now bitcoin mining which is good to hear but yes, i just wanted to see what else was out there i felt like i was always because a lot of my friends are still in texas I, I asked them when we were younger i was like oh do you guys ever think about leaving and everyone's just no i just want to settle here i'm just we're happy here we'll stay here and i was like okay cool that's if you want to do that's you but i want to maybe venture out a little bit i want to see what else is out there learn different cultures where my family's from yeah so my parents weren't very happy at all actually we actually just recently patched up our relationship yeah yeah thanks nice <laughs> that's very good to hear as well that's because as someone who's i'm indian and my parents were the same thing like doctor lawyer in south africa and then i was like yeah i'm moving to asia I'm like what how are you moving away from family that's not done so no that's awesome so nathan you have honestly an amazing channel and amazing story so far i knew a little bit about this already just from research we've got to get into the crux of today's stuff i want to remind everyone right anything you say or i say is not financial advice please do your own research right you were in Korea for Blockchain Week. I saw the recent video and that was really interesting. You spoke to a lot of interesting people and like you do a lot more content and speak to a lot more people. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask is what's your perception of crypto in October 4th, 2023, so far this year? How do you feel about the space and the industry? Because one thing I've noticed is just the media coverage is just it's become so much less. People aren't talking about it anymore. Beyond what's going on the institutional side, I think crypto's almost disappeared from the conversation entirely, but maybe you have another take on that. I think that's good. I think the tourists need to leave. Those that are not really dedicated to the industry, they're welcome to leave. 
for me, I think that's a very strong buy signal because you need people to clear out the space because there's just too many bad narratives as well. Like, NFTs are scam. This is scam. Somebody got rugged. FTX, Luna, Binance, mm. blah, 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 blah. It's just a lot of noise, a lot of negativity. And I think a lot of retail also got hurt. And I consider myself retail as well. I think for those that are just speculative and new, they are welcome. This doesn't have to be their industry if they don't like it. We're we're not forcing anyone to stay here. We're not forcing anyone to do anything. But this is also my third cycle. So I think those that build in the bear, eat in the bull, and those who are prepared can maybe do pretty good for themselves. But I think at the end of the day, if you're not happy with the industry, either you can change it or you can go cry about it or you can find and do something else. So for me, I think it's all good. It's a good sign because I think you don't want too many people in because then they only care about the price and only care about the pumps. I do respect the pump, but at the same time, there's got to be more to that. Otherwise, why are we waking up in the morning? Why are we doing all this for? Very true. Very true. Then going forward, then what are the are there different challenges this year? Like you said, this is your third cycle, right? Are there different challenges from previous cycles at the current state of crypto? Is it the same challenges that we've always had? How are we going to make the space better? I think infrastructure. I think infrastructure is very important. I think people need rails to build on, just like the railroads in different cities, public transportation. People need a foundation of a network that they can trust and build on. Not to name any names, but any layer one blockchains that can have good finality or who can solve a certain problem, whether it's the exchange of assets or decentralized finance or even lending and borrowing protocols. I think those are important. And I think those that can build decentralized applications that actually work, that's not just like a to-earn model, maybe using certain assets to tie down other assets or real-world assets or some sort of anchor, not anchor protocol, (laughs) some sort of like anchor to something that can be verifiable, where there's an IPFS stack on top of a supply chain or something like that, some sort of proof of supply before and after or some sort of logistics or blockchain can be used for a lot of things but blockchains are dumb and there's a lot of things that it can't do you can't just put blockchain on everything that's that's also what i'm trying to say and i've heard the same sentiment echoed before the show we were talking about korea blockchain week right i'd encourage everyone to go watch your latest video there that was really interesting and I had a guest on from uh, Komenu on um, his episodes coming out today and they're like a crypto custodian based out in dubai and I feel like there's this sort of consensus, like, oh, the Middle East is going to be it. I think where we are in Asia, Hong Kong, Japan is probably going to be it. That's my bet, personally, given like you've done a lot of travel recently. So what's your take? Is there going to be a centralized crypto hub? I've heard conversations about there is not going to be a centralized crypto hub. It's not going to be Singapore or Dubai or uh, somewhere in Europe, right? It's, it's just going to be, there'll be multiple crypto hubs throughout the world. I think the multiple... I think the multiple is going to be good. I think Dubai is coming up. I heard through the grapevine that Saudi Arabia is coming up. I heard through the grapevine that a lot of Middle Eastern countries are also on their way to embrace it. Uh, Very happy to hear that. I don't know if it's all true, obviously. But I I think from what my understanding is that there's a lot of people also in Europe who are stepping up and embracing it. I'm hoping that America will. I Obviously, I'm American. I want to see my country step up with innovation because they've been leading the tech space for a while, like Meta and all the big corporations. But at the same time, the centralization is iffy. And then 
in Hong Kong, Japan, the government, we actually met the, the mayor of Shibuya of the city. We met Sega, Konami, Square Enix, all the games I played as a kid. I got to meet all the producers, the creative directors. It's like a very surreal moment for me. It's like, play Street Fighter, the Capcom. You know, it's just like, <laughs> you just meet your heroes. <clears throat> they only speak Japanese though, but very respectful culture. And they are actually opening up because of Mount Gox, right? They had to go through a bunch of reforms. I think last year, the government put out a white paper on how to adopt Web3, how to push. And they're allowing nomad visas, digital nomad visas and startup visas to go to Japan. Um, I didn't realize that's awesome because that's we talked about wanting to go to Japan and that's been on my list as well. There's so many like Akia in Japan and have a nice house out there and enjoy that good internet and live the, the nomad life. That would be amazing. Yeah, so after Korea, we went to Tokyo 24-9. Singapore's popping as well in this conference. And then we went to Japan. So we threw a conference in Japan. All of Asia is very bullish on Web3. But again, they Japan is highly regulated. So is Korea. And so everyone's just figuring out the frameworks, which is weird coming from me because I don't usually... I really like decentralization. I don't want to be like super push hard for regulation, but we do need some sort of rules or protocols that we can play in, right? If you want the scammers and stuff to go away and you want regular people to embrace it, you're going to have to give us a box to play in. At least we know what we can do, what we can't do, obviously. And that's not even there yet. So I think that's also a big issue. I'm not saying that regulation is good. I'm just saying if we want Web2 companies to do big things in Web3, they're not going to come in unless there's some sort of regulatory framework in, work, in place for them to come on board. But by all means, Bitcoin already solves its own issue which is decentralization security maybe not so much scalability but it's the best we've got so far <laughs> in my humble opinion <laughs> oh, no, i i totally agree with you i know speaking to people here in taiwan people know that i've been involved in crypto for a bit right definitely not as long as you and they're like oh ah, i'd like to look into this but i just i don't understand the rules and how it works and i want to research and i think with a bit more, like you said, like giving a box to people would feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah, now I know how this works. It works inside this existing paradigm and I can go and look into it. So no, I totally agree with you there. I didn't realize you were a gamer. So I have to ask when you were in Japan, I know speaking to mostly like Western people, oh my God, Square Enix is looking to blockchain, um, Capcom, Sega, that sort of stuff. Oh my God, this sucks. This is not good. Do you think we'll ever get Western people on board with blockchain games or blockchain being involved in gaming? As you mentioned, it's... Should blockchain not be involved in gaming? That's a good question. A double-edged sword question? Yes. But I think if Japan does it right, we can make it a thing. Because Ooh, Japan nice. makes the good games, right? They do. The issue, so there's different countries. So I've done a little bit of game research. I have some very close friends in game development. A lot of strong, strong game devs that have games on PS4. Uh, one of my best friends is he used to work with Activision, Netmarvel, etc. He did all the, the trailers for Marvel Future Fight and he did like a bunch of awesome stuff for like Crash Bandicoot, Call of Duty. So I used to go to the office for Activision all the time in Los Angeles, Santa Monica. And yeah, all different countries focus their games on different I'll give you an example. Chinese games, they make you pay to win. Right. So they focus on taking your money. Right. Play a little bit. Oh, you want a VIP upgrade? Pay 99 cents. Right. And that's how they get you. Right. They don't really care about the gameplay. They care about revenue. Right. And then you have Korea, where they don't really care about revenue. They care about taking your time. They want you to stay like Maple Story. You sit right. there and you grind that they're taking your time. Right. They're taking your time and your attention. And then Western gamers, they just want a fun game, man. I'm a, like, for me, it's like, is the game fun? If it's fun, then I'll play it. <laughs> and gamers, 
we're spoiled in that way. We have so many choices to choose from. Like we have Fortnite, we have Apex Legends, we have so many games that we could easily just pick and choose. Why would we choose the blockchain game? Why do we need so I think at the same time there needs to be a way that they can also keep the web two and web three separate. It should be a fun game, but the web three side should just be for web three people who want to maybe get involved in the settlement layer, maybe use a use a land or something or to, to the earning mechanisms through a stepping app or some 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 sort of earning mechanism can just be for the web three people. And then the web two should just be free to free to play. It should it should be fun. Unique gameplay. It shouldn't just be Fortnite on the blockchain. <laughs> like bro, like don't do that please. <laughs> it should be its own thing. And then at the same time just focus on what's important because no nobody wants to pay eight hundred dollars for a knife skin. It's 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 like no nobody wants they'll pay ninety nine cents. So either you do it in tether not everything needs a token either. Yeah, so somebody needs to just figure the economics out for that. And I do see both sides of the issue. I do see how if I was a huge gaming company and, and I wanted to give you a Diablo 4 level 99 sword and you're my homie, I could just mint one for you easily. And there's also an issue with that. Lengthy answer, not too much of a concrete answer, but it's just fundamentally not there yet. But I'm just saying, if Japan and Square Enix, all of the best game makers, because Capcom, Street Fighter was huge. It, it it just penetrated the U.S. market, right? You have Daigo Umahara, who's Umahara, sorry, just maybe butchered his name. He had that legendary fight at Evo. I don't know if you know about it, with Chun-Li against Justin Wong, who's from the States. And that was a very epic moment. You can look that up. He used like a super from Chun-Li. And then in Street Fighter 3, there's a mechanic where you can parry where you press forward instead of back his lag. If you hit back, you, you get chipped at. So he has one okay. HP left, right? So she's like doing, Chun-Li has a super fast kicks. Yes. So she's doing the super fast kicks and each kick he's pressing forward and he's pushing them away. Put that there. If he hit back, he would have died, right? Because there's only one. And then he won the game. He came back. And that Damn. was like, eh, like 5,000 people on their seats. You can look it up. Eh, it just went crazy. Moments like that, you can't who gives a F about NFTs, right? People are just trying to, it's hype. It's a real game. It's a tournament. That's what people want to see. It's just like sports. Do you want the NFL to have an NFT for every sports player? I don't know if we're there yet, right? So that's just... The dream is there. It can happen. It just depends how and where they take it. To summarize, you're echoing what a lot of people have said, I think, this past year, which is just we need the utility or the function or the fun to be there first. We don't need to use NFTs or blockchain or anything. They can exist as the... Also, another thing you said, infrastructure layer. And we can build all this cool stuff upon it. And even if people don't need to care that it's built on blockchain, right? They can just be like, oh my God, this NFL game is fun or this fighting game is fun. So I think that would be awesome. Some people are still skeptical. We know skepticism when it comes to blockchain gaming, but some people are still skeptical about crypto, right? Given all this amazing community you've created, right? 100,000 plus subscribers on YouTube, right? I've watched not the recent videos, but even the older videos as well, I was looking through them and I'm like, you speak to people in a certain way, a very real way. And is this what regular people need to be doing to say, or crypto people say, hey, I need to be more real, be more on someone's level to help people say, okay, yes, crypto has some issues, but actually you should probably think about it. Is this how you convince people to accept crypto or, or think about it anyway? Not really. I think we're just, our mission is just to really, so we have a bunch of different types of content. We just started the 
the conference series just to see how it would work. We didn't know if it was going to do well, which it is doing well, which so people seem to like that. We did some raw creative shoots. We did some founder stories like documentaries and Mocha, CoinGecko, some of the bigger players. More, I feel like they're legitimate and then and then we try to also humanize them right it's like it's, yeah your company is worth six billion dollars but what's your favorite mcdonald's dipping sauce? <laughs> i think that's that's more fun than than saying oh look how much money i have look how many companies i've done blah blah blah, blah. And, and at the same time it's like i feel like yacht is also quite a big visionary we're very similar in that way like he's very philosophical so it was, it was great to meet him and just hear like his side of things because i think he does really care about the space which is rare because again the narrative is not too good right now and then so for us, for the explainer videos, we want to explain them in a way that anyone can understand. Because most of our audience, the reason we don't do affiliate is because people are not going to click our link in the description. Because most of the audience are not subscribers. They're just people who search what is blockchain, what is proof of work, what is proof of stake, what is DeFi. And so we don't have very high conversion rates, unfortunately, but at the same time, at least people can see what things are. I'll give you an example if, if it doesn't take too much time. Do you know about the, the Ethereum merge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most people know about the Ethereum merge, but they don't really understand why it's so important and what kind of feat it was. So I'll give you an example. So now you can picture this. If I can maybe explain it in pictures, maybe you can understand more. So let's say the block production, the blockchain produces blocks every couple of seconds, right? So block production is block one, block two, block three, block four. It doesn't stop, right? Block production can't stop. So now we can say that the blockchain is a car. It's a car and it's a car that's running, right? And it can't stop. Remember that because it's block production. If block production stops, the, the blockchain is dead. It's the car that's driving. And now with the merge is imagine this car driving with a gas powered engine somewhere along the line, you switch the engine out with a gas engine, you put in an electric one, but the car's still running. What? You did what? You switched the engines out and the car's still running? What? The blockchain didn't stop? No, it didn't. It's still going. What? <laughs> How? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And then now people are like, oh, okay, because everyone can relate it to a car. Everybody on this planet, I would say 90%. I would say that a lot of people know what a car is. And a lot of people know what gas-powered engines are. Now, when you understand it, like I can see it in your face. Like, oh, I see. Like, you can... Now they understand it. And then when that understanding sticks, then you're going somewhere. Otherwise, it's just, it just doesn't mean anything. That's probably the best analogy I've heard about the merge since it actually happened last year. So that's awesome. That's going to be my first YouTube short for next week when I promote the episode. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you for that. Okay, cool. So given we're almost at the end of the year, Nathan, what are your thoughts for next year as a content creator, as someone who's very passionate about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency and the space and everything involved? Right? What are you planning? Are you going to be doubling down on, on even more content creation? Are you going to go a specific route? Are you going to be as varied as you have been? Are you, you doing other things, right? I Maybe you're not going to be so much on blockchain. What are the thoughts rumbling around in your brain? I want to do something crazy, but I don't know if I should say up to you, right? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no pressure. You, you say whatever you want, right? It's. I'm just happy that you're here, and we've had some amazing conversations so far. So don't worry. But yeah, I want to give back to the community. I want to throw the first Web three dance battle. Really? <laughs> yeah. Growing <laughs> up, I, I I have a lot of 
heavy influence in dance. I'm very close with the guys from IME Crew. They they did America's uh, Best Dance Crew Season 8, Season 7. Ooh. They're the champions from Texas, Houston, obviously. So dance has been a huge part of Vicious Germs, Heavy Coral, the, break, the B-Boys out there. They were the ones that kind of brought me in when I was searching for my identity when I was a youth, right? We used to go to this place called YA. It was just like a free volunteer service where dancers could just and there's this guy, there's this guy, this 40-year-old guy at the time. I was like, maybe he's 17. And he threw a jam. I think it's called B-Boy City or B-Boy, some, something like that. But he just threw it because he was a dancer and he became quite successful. And he just threw the jam out of the goodness of the heart. Like $2,000, $5,000, like crew on crew battles. People from California would come through. And then they would just embrace the hip-hop culture with the five elements. So it's four elements, technically, with the fifth being knowledge. And then they would just, the DJ would just spin it and they would just battle it out for the prize money. But now... What if we could do that as a Web3 jam? What if we had like some dope sponsors like our homies from OKX or, you know, whichever exchanges or Animoca or whoever, or they come in and maybe like their logos on the dance floor <laughs> or something. Uh, I don't know. That would be cool. Just, yeah, this is just me spouting ideas, right? And then and then we pay out either in cash or we pay out in Tether. We just put it up, you know, through the charity or the foundation. And then they can do 7 to Smoke, they do All Styles, 2v2 Popping, you, you name it. And then you do Top 16 Qualifiers and then do the Bracket. And then it's not only are you like really onboarding people or like giving true exposure instead of just online exposure, you're also giving back to the community. And this is, I think, the best way for mass adoption. Everyone's touting, yeah, 2.3 gay billion gamers, we're going to bring everybody. Dude, bring 100 people on. Right, bring 100 right. people, bring 1,000 people. Bring 10,000, then you can talk, right? Don't just say we're going to do a billion people because you're not. Just, can you get 10 people? If you can get 10 people, then maybe you can get 100. If you can get 100, then you can do 1,000. So I think start small, be realistic about it, and try it. So I know, I, I totally agree. And, and that makes sense. Like you said, bring 10 people on. I'm like, oh my God, can I bring <laughs> but, 10 people on? Like if I went out in Taiwan <laughs> and walked on the streets, I'm like, hey, are you thinking about crypto? Oh my God, I, I don't think I could even get two. Um, so I, I, I like that approach too. Yeah, I can't even get my parents on. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like family, like cousins, like they don't they could care less. They're just like, we're still doing the crypto thing, okay? I'm just, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I get that all the time. Unfortunately, here people look at my Facebook when I'm promoting the podcast. They're like, oh yeah, you still doing crypto? Oh wow. Oh oh, okay, cool. And then conversation ends after that. It's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, yeah. All right, Nathan. I don't know if you do like how many people eat like, an early lunch here, like 11 a.m. or 11:30 a.m. You guys um, do lunch at 11. Yeah, like people eat lunch at like 10.30 a.m. here. Some people, because they start work like really early. So I used to eat lunch at 11 a.m. here in Taiwan when I first moved here 14 years ago. Wow. But I want to let you get on with the rest of your day, right? So you've already some really cool stuff. And usually at the end of the podcast, I'd like to leave it as an open mic, an open floor. All of CryptoNauts links, your links will be down in the show notes on the audio version and of course the video version. Is there anything you want to end off on today's podcast that maybe you plan to say, but you didn't have a chance to say, or anything you want to plug about something that's coming up, a new video, the floor is yours. Take as much time as you want. Yeah, we have a Token 2049 video, a Japan video coming out. If you like it, please watch it. If you like what we do, subscribe, comment. Uh, it helps us a lot. Um, truly grateful. We just passed 3.5 million views. Only took seven nice. years. Seven I mean, years, that's though. impressive. So yeah. Seven years, my goodness. <laughs> We've been doing this for a long time. That's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I think I think what's more important um, for those that are listening, I think, I think time is the most valuable currency. When I first started out, I wanted to interview 100 CEOs and founders in a year. Didn't even come close. I met like 38. But everyone has 24 hours in a day. 
regardless if you're a billionaire or you're a trillionaire or quadrillionaire mining asteroid, all you have is 24 hours in a day. So how you spend your time is ex extremely important. I would just urge you to, if you can, do the things you love, spend the time with those that matter, and right. enjoy the process. Really, that's it for me, I think, because money doesn't really, it can buy happiness and solve certain problems, but it really just enhances who you are as a character more than anything else so when you do get there if you do make it my mentors have always told me this is just send the elevator back down that's amazing advice and i totally agree i hit 40 last year and, and it just like time is really so important and especially spending it with people that matter to you i totally agree with that nathan thank you so much for your time and waking up early in the morning to do this podcast and you know, it should be, it's, we're having a typhoon here in 24 hours or so. That means yeah. we're going to have a typhoon. <laughs> a no. typhoon. No. Yeah, so if you are planning something, it's still work for us here today, but they're going to cancel work tomorrow. So if you do have any plans for tomorrow, you should definitely be aware uh, of that. Yeah, Boy. thank you so much. And yeah. hopefully we can catch up in a year or so. Or be, I've been watching your videos for a bit, so... Yeah, yeah let's, we'll, we'll catch, yeah. Let's stay in touch. Uh, I think I'm planning to go to Taiwan, actually, since you said you're only a 53-minute flight. I've never actually been. Yeah, so you should. It's just I can come from... find you. Hong Kong to Kaohsiung, right, where I live. And, and it's just literally the plane goes up, you fly for 20 minutes and you come down to Kaohsiung Airport and then you're in the south of Taiwan. Um, oh, dope. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and as you would know, loads of Hong Kong people moved. Know, like 30,000 Hong Kong people moved over the last two, two to three years. So you'll hear some like Guang Gonghua at oh. least every two or three hours or so. Dude, your um, Chinese is better than mine. What a now. <laughs> I'm sure you're way better <laughs> than me, man. Yeah. Maybe Cantonese, but my Mandarin is uh, not too good. But I'll, I'll try to survive. So, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm always here. I'm, not, I'm like, I, I, people always like, will you, will you ever leave Taiwan? No, I'm going to die here. So I'm not nice. going anywhere. But yeah, if you ever around here, let me know. I can take you out. And, and, and if you want to go anywhere, meet some people. Um, there's some nice crypto projects going on in Taipei. Unfortunately, not too many where I live in Kaohsiung, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Taipei. Great, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'd love, yeah. love to come check it out. Sure. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'll, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. Okay, cool. Yeah, great.